This episode of the Movie Musical Shakedown is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Tell us what you want to pay, name your price, coverage options that fit your budget. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. talent and see what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Tommy, can you hear me? You're on a bobsled. It's snowing out. And it's cold. Okay, go. Every day for a week we would try to feel the motion, feel the motion down the hill. Every day for a week we would try to hear the wind rush, hear the wind rush, feel the chill. So I dug right down to the bottom of my... And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the movie musical Shakedown. I'm your host, Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog. So thrilled you're joining us today for this podcast where we are doing, I guess you could call it a polarizing movie musical. We're doing 1985's A Chorus Line, arguably one of the most successful and most popular musicals ever put on stage. Up to the producers, it it actually held the record for the most Tony wins, as well as uh, it used to hold the record for the longest-running show on Broadway of all time. And, yeah, I mean, it's an iconic, iconic musical. So in 1985, when they decided to make the movie version of this, obviously there was a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz in the air. Actually get a big-name star in Michael Douglas to star as uh, Zach, the director. And... The final result we had was, well, like I said, polarizing. I think there are people that absolutely love this movie. I think there are people that absolutely hate this movie. I can see arguments for both. I think it really depends on when you see this movie, which order you see this movie in. Do you see the musical first and then the movie or the movie then the musical? I think that's that would, you know, basically change your judgment. But... It is definitely a movie that is problematic in some points. It has some some issues, some lingering questions, so to speak, to to answer. But uh, also has some good stuff as well, so we'll talk about it all. We'll talk about its cast. We'll talk about the music. We'll talk about some of the changes they made to the music, the choreography, the whole nine yards. I've got an expert on the subject this week as my guest co-host, Miss Nicole Peterson, my wife, who is also a dancer, dance teacher, who found... A lot of similarities in the way that she communicates with her dancers in this movie as well. So some fun things to pick out there. But she definitely knows a lot, and I wanted to have her on this podcast because she she just has that knowledge. So it should be a good one. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Nicole's going to join us. We're going to break it all down. But first, of course, as always, here's the trailer. They've come here by the hundreds with a dream. I used to stand outside the stage door and watch the girls come out and think, can anything like that ever happen to me? But only eight can make it come true. Can't do it. You want the job, don't you? It's the chance of a lifetime. Okay, Larry, line them up. Stand five, six, seven, eight! (laughs) 
chorus line. First time we made love, it was a great. It's the line between determination. I don't need a handout. I need a job. I don't think she's been working too much. And frustration. Don't dance! You know what Zach's like when he's working? You keep interrupting him again. Hey, what are you talking to me like I'm a grown-up for? Between survival. Oh. You ever think about what you're gonna do? Stop dancing. Real life, I guess. And sacrifice. The only way that I could hold you was to be a star like you. It's the line between letting go. How about sex? Sex happens to be the one subject I can speak about with absolutely no authority whatsoever. <laughs> and letting loose. Give a man some room. It's the line between nowhere. You're all terrific. I wish I could hire you all, but I can't. And the stars. Now, Academy Award-winning director Richard Attenborough brings the history-making sensation to the screen. A chorus line. I am now joined by my incredible wife, dancer extraordinaire, <laughs> Miss Nicole Peterson. Why do I say Miss? You're Mrs. Nicole Peterson. I'm Mrs. Nicole Peterson, but at the dance school, I'm Miss Nicole. So oh, there you go. Okay. Well, then <laughs> I'm here with Miss Nicole then today. Or as my little people call me, Mrs. Cole. <laughs> well, I can't, they, they, it's, they can't get the they Nicole. They get confused. Yeah. Oh, geez. All right. Well, I figured maybe I should call you by your dance name today because we are talking about one of the few, I guess you could say musicals, that really combines the importance of dance mm -hmm. and singing. And acting. I mean, yes. it really is a triple threat type of musical. And of course, I'm talking about the 1985 quote unquote classic, <laughs> A <Chordis laughs> Line, uh, directed by the great Richard Attenborough, Spare No Expense from Jurassic uh, Park. Um, interesting directorial choice for him to do this film, but yes. um, let's let's just let's just call it what it is. This was a flop, famously mm -hmm. a flop. It was made on a 25 million dollar budget. It grossed total $14 million. So it actually lost uh, money in the gross. Usually, typically when movies flop, they lose money because of marketing and things like that. Right. This movie didn't even get that far. <laughs> they, they, they were losing money um, right off the bat, so to speak. But it for me, I think this movie, it's interesting. When I ask people within various theater communities and things like that, what are your thoughts on A Chorus Line, the movie? Mm -hmm. I always get a very polarizing answer. Right. People either love it or they absolutely loathe it. And I think what's interesting is the people that love it typically are ones that saw this first before they saw the stage musical. Uh, and the people that loathe it are vice versa. Right. And, you know, my experience, and I'll get to your experience yeah. in a second, is I saw this movie first. Mm -hmm. So I saw this movie my freshman year of college because I could actually rent the DVD mm -hmm. from our, our college library. And that's my first experience with Chorus Line before I actually got to see it on stage. Right. Um, in hindsight, I completely understand where people are coming from <laughs> who, who don't like it. But at the same time, I can also, you know, um, see where people can like it. Yeah. But what, what, were your, what was your order of, of viewing So this? I saw... Well, all right. So I learned choreography from the original show before I saw any choreography. So I learned choreography from the original show. Then I saw the movie. Then we saw it on Broadway. Then we saw the documentary, Every Little Step. Mm. And that actually helped me re-fall in love. And I've seen a bunch of documentaries about it that weren't that one. But mm -hmm. in particular, as a dancer, watching that documentary, I mean, 
it was just, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So now after having kind of gone through that and then also having set some of the original choreography on some of my students in class, like the difference between the show and Michael Bennett's work and all of that. And now rewatching, I haven't rewatched the movie since we saw it on Broadway and since I've seen every little step a million times mm. and man, oh man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah. And I, I mean, it is a 1985 movie, but they, uh, they stripped away so much of what made, the musical so emotionally and that, you know, yeah. Touching. Well, what so. do you think, what do you think was the, the first egregious mistake that they made in this movie? They eightiesified all the choreography and the costumes. I like that word. Eightiesified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. Eightiesified. Well, the costumes themselves are super iconic. Mm -hmm. Like you recognize the characters by what they're wearing. I mean, Cassie's red dress, like, mm -hmm. holy cow. And well, it's funny you bring that up because every year, I get an email from some like community theater watchdog mm -hmm. somewhere saying like, oh, this, you know, this production of A Chorus Line is, you know, copycatting original costumes. I'm like, that's what they're it's, supposed to do. I know. It's, <laughs> like, but also, I mean, how can you not copycat like a leotard? Right. <laughs> right. Well, I just, I, you know, Connie Wong has those, you know, iconic uh, overall looking, yeah. uh, you know, tights. I remember that. And then I think Val has the two piece. Uh, or the one piece, I think she, or something like that when, when she does the dance 10 look, you know, mm -hmm. three. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's some of those, those garments are, you know, iconic and for the Broadway revival, they got a lot of them right. Yes, they did. You know, um, I do think this is one of those movies though, that if you watched it, especially in the eighties, I think it's one of those defining movies of whether or not you want to get into this business or not. Mm -hmm. You know, what I thought was really authentic was that, that, you know, quote unquote cattle call that you see at the beginning of the film. It is. But can I tell you that it reminded me so much of the opening shots of um, all that jazz. Mm. Sorry, I did a jazz hand. You did. You have to. <laughs> you have to do it. But I mean, it really, it really looked like that yeah and i don't know if that's just because they're both cattle calls or if the shots were mimicked because that was mm. such a popular film yeah i mean you don't really see cattle calls like that anymore uh they just you don't do them anymore because it's just it's too taxing mm -hmm. on the people first of all the people that are auditioning number one but number two i think it's just you want to see more out of people out of an audition these days and um you don't see that much anymore in terms of these big groups. You're right. walking into a theater and there's 40 people there, things like that. You just don't get it. So it's definitely, it's a very dated audition, but mm -hmm. it definitely is like, if you're watching this as a kid or as a teenager and you're like excited by that and you're right. like, oh my God, that looks amazing. You're dead. You're, you're right for this. If right. you're looking at that and you're horrified and you're like, oh my God, I could never do that. No. This ain't for you. This ain't for you. You know? So it, it definitely is a defining movie on right. that end. What's also very funny is as, as I was a young director watching this, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to conduct an audition like oh, that or callbacks. And I thought to myself, that would probably be very pretentious of me. Yes, it would To be. try to be Zach in that moment. But I, I wonder Zach how many- Zach is super pretentious. He though. is super pretentious. <laughs> and for, especially for a performer that we never get to see him really perform in the show. So we don't get to know how good he actually is, right. so to speak. Um 
but yeah, no, it's. It, I think there were a lot of young directors that probably watched this movie saying, "I want to be like Zach someday," <sighs> and I was one of them. I'm just gonna I say know. that out loud. So, um, what are some of your other, you know, I guess you could say egregious things that were in this movie? The fact that what I did for love became a song about love yeah. instead of a song about dance, mm. because that song, whenever I hear it. I just cry and it like, it just touches my heart. And I feel like I love that song so much. And again, I had just forgotten how it was used in this film. And when we watched it, my mind was blown. Like they, it takes the heart out of the movie. Well, one of the big things that a lot of people don't know and, and, often wonder is you know how involved was michael bennett in this movie and truth be told he actually left the production of it because he was getting frustrated that he wasn't having the creative control you know that he wanted uh out of the production they should have given him the creative control Just give him I, I mean the show went to what 12 tonys like give him give him whatever control he wants well, and also like though it had been on broadway for what 10 years by this point right so most of the people who were going to go see this movie probably already saw the show probably and, and one of the big I, things like as he was leaving the production he said look all i ask is that you don't make this love story between zach and cassie like the central plot and of course, that's what he did. <laughs> no, because the whole point is that Cassie loves dance more. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point, that she's willing to throw everything else away right. for dance. Yeah. And oh my goodness, made me so angry. I think this is one of those, like, if they did that today, like, let's say like a remake of, and we'll get to this question later on, but like, <sighs> let's say they do a film version of this again in 2019, 2020, and they changed that again. Like you would see like social media explode being like, what are you doing? That's like giving like on my own and Les Mis to like another character except for everybody. Right. I mean, it's an iconic number at certain points. And I don't think a lot of people you know truly understand that. And I think this movie, I think has kind of like changed, you know, perception of, of what that number is supposed to be. Yeah. So um, what are some of other general thoughts that you have about this film? I really did not like the breathy singing in the background. Like yeah. all of the opening audition sequence is supposed to be them like desperate and passionate. Mm-hmm. And it's like this ghostly whispery singing. Yeah. And I was like, so there's no passion. They're drones. And that just leads them to Cassie's nightmare at the end. That's all that we're feeding into. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll definitely get into the singing. A little get- bit later, but yeah, I agree with you. There's singing is not the strong point of this movie um, at all. <laughs> just but let's just put that out there i would also argue that this movie has no heart and that, that no it doesn't i mean i think what was special about you know when you listen to the original production when you actually read the script when you when you see you know this show and you understand that these were real people i mean mm-hmm. so these were based on interviews that michael bennett had done with chorus members and things like that what you get is and in a way you said it with you know 80s fying the piece you suck out its soul. Yeah. And a lot of times you felt these characters going through the motion and very few times do they really emotionally connect with their material in mm-hmm. the film. I mean, it's really rest of title in that, in that mm-hmm. way, so to speak, you don't get a lot of that oomph that you would want out of some of these. Well, even like uh, Paul's monologue, mm. when we saw that on Broadway, Jason Tam made me cry. Oh yeah. And now, granted, when I'm in a theater, I'm more apt to cry anyway. It's right. just because we're there, we're in the moment. Mm-hmm. But I I just really felt nothing. Yeah. And 
it's not anything against the actor. I just, I think there was no real lead up to it. And well, I think granted, it's, Jason Tim is also amazing. And well, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> he was incredible in that. And, you know, also when you, when you think about that character of Paul and, and that monologue and what that meant at the what time, he did. And if you really look back, I mean, the original guy who played it, well, the guy who played that role was Sammy Williams, and he won a Tony for that role, mm-hmm. by the way. And he was so good um, in that. I mean, in the, in one little step, you um, uh, you see a, a little clip of him doing mm-hmm. that monologue, and it's it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that was that was a great example. I think you know also. Um, uh, Oh, Sheila, I'm like yes. using my, my, my characters and first names, you know, Sheila, there's, there's a moment towards the end where she starts talking about her daughter and you're like, yeah. Oh, this could be the moment where she could really mm-hmm. break through. We get to see maybe that shell yeah. crack and we don't get to see it. But yet at the same time when, you know, you know, Kelly Bishop famously yes. played that role and, um, it's just, it's just one of those like, Oh gosh, I wish these, I wish these actors really connected with that material. I mean, the last thing that really bugged me was that again, they turn the chorus, they, they belittle the idea of the chorus so much that they turn it into a nightmare for Cassie. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of what this show is supposed to be about. That's a good point. So when it's like the, the point when like during the one sequence where, you know, Cassie and Zachary having this back and forth and he turns mm-hmm. around and says, is this what you want? And you see right. kind of them in a robotic soldier esque, yeah, you know, Nazi march. Yes, so it is a Nazi march. Very dark, so dark. But also, again, it's the opposite of what the show is supposed to be about. It's right. supposed to be about people willing to live a life in the chorus because they're so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Not that the chorus is a nightmare place to be, and she should want better. You know, That's it's a good point. Oh, I was so. I was really frustrated to see that. And again, and it's just, so funny to me that I have seen this movie a bunch of times before mm-hmm. and it didn't stand out to me yeah. until now. But. And let's just be honest. Judy Monroe's the worst. She's the worst. Like she's the worst at the beginning. She's like, I don't know. No, I forgot my number. <laughs> like, okay, goodbye. Uh, or like, she, she just says silly things throughout this entire thing. And spoiler alert. I mean, not for, Let's be frank, folks. I don't have to put spoiler alerts here. When she gets cut at the end, I am so happy that she doesn't make it because I'm like, ugh. I just I lost my patience with her within the first five minutes of this movie. But um, I just I hate the way that I just I don't I can't stand Judy Monroe. You know what? Also, an interesting thing about this movie is <laughs> you okay there? I know. You I just want to keep venting. <laughs> Judy Monroe. Uh, or she has that stupid joke about Marilyn Monroe that I'm like, ugh, cringeworthy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> This movie also made me miss 1980s diner coffee cups. As silly as this sounds, I swear to God, I, I mean this. When I was growing up, um, this movie and then like the only other movie before where I really got to see these things was like the Muppets Take Manhattan. But right. everybody who drank coffee always had these like coffee cups that had the Greek symbolism on yeah. the front. They were always blue and white or yellow and they were just iconic. Like you went to a New York City diner to get that coffee cup. Mm-hmm. I miss those cups. I'm just going to throw that out there. You just miss like the idea of wanting to sit with Kermit at a dinner table. That's true. <laughs> I also, if I, this is going to sound very strange folks. If I could go back in time and live in a city at a certain time and point 
it would be New York City in the early 80s. I'm yeah. just going to throw it no, out No, I'm right there with you. I don't know what the griminess. <laughs> people are like, when you're crazy, I'm I like, made a note, like 80s dressing rooms. Ew. <laughs> it looks so gross. Yet, I would, I would just go nuts in there. So no, I know. Me too. Anyway. All right. So let's move on. So we knew we have this new category that I like to talk about. It's called production notes, where we basically look at some some internet research in terms of what happened behind the scenes with this movie. And you know, not not too much, you know, when it comes to chorus line. You know, other than the fact that uh, Richard Attenborough later on would call this not necessarily the high point in his career. Same thing for Michael Douglas, who kind of wants to disavow the fact that he was in this movie. Interesting that you have, yeah, I know. I know. interesting that you have Michael Douglas. This is actually two years before Wall Street, so it's basically two years before he would decide not to do these types of movies ever right. again. Um, but he's coming off *Romancing the Stone* and *Jewel of the Nile*, so this is like right in that that time, right before that Oscar uh, hits, and he you would never get him in this movie, uh, and I'm sure he wishes that as well. Um, but some production notes because of her dance experience. Audrey Landers, who plays Val, is generally not seen in wide shots of the entire cast dancing, but inserted in close-ups. A dance double is actually uh, seen in long shots of one, which is interesting because like there are a couple shots of one where I'm like, oh, no, look, she's dancing. She's looking yeah. pretty good. No, that's a double. <laughs> that's why she's in the background. So, yeah, that's an interesting production note. Also, the actor and actress that played Mike and Maggie ended up getting married. Which is mm-hmm. funny because they spend the entire movie standing next to each other, which there is probably you know. how they got to be, get mate and, and whatnot. So those are just some of the production notes that I had from uh, from this movie. But let's move on. Wait, I have a question. Though. Please. You didn't mention Nicole Fossey. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am so sorry. Well, we haven't really talked about the cast in general, but a lot of, lot of unrecognizable names. I mean, you, you really wouldn't know these people mm-hmm. by their names today, but... Um, Bob Fosse's daughter, Nicole Fosse, is in this movie. Yes, she plays she is. Kurt Christine Ehrlich. Yes. And I always like to say it with a question mark because that's how she says it. No. Why? My name is Christine Ehrlich. <laughs> um, Mary Dame DeLuca. <laughs> and I just, I always thought it was interesting because he and Michael Bennett had such a rivalry yeah. that she was in this movie, but and, and it's cool. This movie came out in 85, so Fosse was still alive. Yes. Right? So he's he had to watch his daughter be in the movie. In a, like a Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Yes. That's like, ooh. <laughs> I mean, folks, if you've ever seen the movie All That Jazz, I mean, you can just see, you know, John Lithgow's character is based on Michael Bennett, and you can just see that rivalry and mm-hmm. that distaste. I, I haven't seen the entirety of, of Fosse Verde. Do they touch on Michael Bennett? No, not no, really. Not really? Actually, no, I don't think he's in it at all. Wow, they just kind of skip over that yep. completely. Interesting. Well, I mean, again, they skipped over a whole lot. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, folks. Well, we know that with these movie musicals, sometimes there's moments that, you know, bring up those emotions. Sometimes mm-hmm. those those eyes water, those lumps in our throats start to grow. The dust in the room becomes a little more palpable. So I call mm-hmm. these dusty room moments. Now, this is interesting, Nicole. Let's just talk strictly the film version. <laughs> Ignore other incarnations. Are there any dusty room moments with with a chorus line, the movie? The only one, there's only one, is uh, at the ballet when they all together are like, you know, up the steep and very narrow when they finally all come together mm-hmm. 
But that's it. That's it. That's, that's the it. only one. The only okay. one. For me, I've got two with the movie. <laughs> I need to preface that. Um, as as surface as it is, as rushed as it is, Paul's monologue will always get to me no matter what. Because, oh, and the, the red shoes talk. Oh, the red shoes talk, yeah. Because, you know. But Paul's monologue, just just the way it's written, just the way it's performed, I've heard it in this movie. It always gets to me anytime I hear it in an audition because I hear it at auditions every year. Really? Oh yeah, at every BFA so audition, some some young man will come in and do Paul's monologue from mm-hmm. the chorus line. Um, it's always going to get to me a little bit, because, especially if it's done well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do. I always do get the dusty room moments, and I you know, it is in this entire movie interestingly enough it's one of the best acted moments it is all things considered but um yeah there you go also the final cut is always gonna get you know it's gonna give me goosebumps it's not gonna Mm -hmm. give me you know it's not gonna make the room dusty but man like when they all come together on that line again and he asks those people to come forward and says you know front row thanks very much and that's it and you can just see the looks on their faces and some of them take it better than others Mm -hmm. um you know uh gosh greg gardner looks like he's just been like insulted he just does mm-hmm. this like eye roll and walks away it's awesome and then christine Earl look like looks like she wants to start a fight like yep. she's like she turns back and then she turns around like she's going to say something and then she turns back I, it's very interesting you know how she walks away from it but um i like looking at the the row that do, that do get the roles and their reaction mm-hmm. um some of them are shocked some of them i can't believe it some of them are like oh my god mm-hmm. like bb benson's like oh my god like <laughs> My life. I was just in an insane asylum. Like, <laughs> literally, did she come from the insane asylum to the audition? Like, I think so. Oh, good lord! All right, so <laughs> okay, we'll get into that later on. But yeah, those are some of my my dustroom moments. All right, folks. We know that with these movies, especially ones that are made in different times, past generations, some things might not have aged as well as they should. Uh, some moments are not as timeless as they should be. Some of them are a bit maybe inappropriate, or you know. Maybe we've evolved as a civilization mm-hmm. since then. But I call these yeesh moments. Mm-hmm. So, Nicole, yeah. I've got a couple. But um, do you have any yeesh moments? I mean, honestly, not that many. Okay. I, not really. Just because I feel like if you're talking about New York in the seventies and eighties and you're talking about the audition circuit, that's, that's what it was. Right. You were as a dancer, you were being judged on your body and most of the time people weren't nice about it. So I figure he was actually probably nicer than Mm. (laughs) some other people would be. That's a terrible way to think, but I, I think that's the case. So I mean, dance 10 looks three, I I think it's still not that far off. Mm-hmm. I mean, dance is still a place where you're getting judged for your body most of the time. So. Oh yes, 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 yes. We've had, and on this blog, we've had a lot of articles uh, about mm-hmm. that. There's actually real quick. I'm going to plug them right now. There's a wonderful Facebook group called the Broadway Body Positivity Group, mm-hmm. um, where they're basically sharing anonymous quotes from actors that they've heard about their bodies at auditions. Mm-hmm. And some of them range from basically what you hear, what Val says in this to like, good Lord, like that is terrible. Mm-hmm. So like outright sexual harassment. So um, yeah, no, that, that's a good point for me. Yeah. And this is maybe 
I don't know if I should criticize them too much for this because it is 1985 Hollywood, but there's only four people of color in this entire movie mm-hmm. um, out of, I think, the 12 that were there. So it's like, yeah, you probably could have evened that out just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, two Latino actors, one mm-hmm. African-American, one Asian. Not bad for a 1985 movie. I'll put it that way. Uh, the age difference between Al and Christine is a little leash. Yeah. I mean, he's 28. She Well, they, they say... He says he's 28 in the yep. audition, and she's very honest and says that she's 18, yep. which means they started dating maybe a little bit before that when she was 17, 16, yeah. good Lord. So that 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 That's, age gap yeah. is a little creepy. Um, <clears throat> and I can't remember – I just wrote this down. I can't remember who said this, but like about the women like um, – oh, someone says like, you know um, – don't you want to have like a normal life or something like that? Like, you know, getting married, having babies. Yeah. Who says that? Do you remember? Uh, the director. Oh, direct. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Direct. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Like, he's like, oh yeah. Like you're supposed to get married and having babies. That's yeah. probably a little bit, you know, not 2019. But so one of my dance teachers said that to me and how, in college. So. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. And I know who Actually, that was. it was right after we got engaged. So she's like, oh, you're done now. <laughs> being put out to pasture as a dancer. Exactly. Oh, wow. All right. Well, folks, we know that these movies sometimes do not answer all of our questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mysteries are left unsolved. So I call these lingering questions. So, Nicole. Yes. I've got a ton. Me too. But let's let's just go back and forth. Then. Okay. Okay. I'll start. Yes. How does Zach, he's the one guy in the audition. Mm-hmm. He's the one guy in the in the room. How does he see every single dancer in that group that big? And you're talking about a dance grouping that's at least 10 rows deep sometimes. Uh, that's not normally how it would happen, right? There would be producers right. and all that right. stuff there. Usually there's like four people. But also you rely on your dance captain right. who is with them. Mm-hmm. So, And that's the one thing about this that I think is kind of unrealistic because after each combination, like Larry would just turn around and look at Zach and Zach would give him a look, and then Larry would then turn around and say, "Like, okay, thank you, thank you, thank." You. Like, right. there's, there's no words. No, there's not like a walkie-talkie. There's no conversation. No. It's just like, okay, no, 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 no. So I'm wondering, is like, does, is Larry making the calls, knowing what Zach usually wants? wants. Yeah, or, I, don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I just thought that was really unrealistic. All right, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Your first lingering question. Um, why replace? Give me the ball with surprise because it replaces one mediocre song with a really bad song and it doesn't showcase anyone's skills. It's isolations and armography. Like, yeah. Until they get to the <clears throat> section with like his turns all a second and he's doing like all of those awesome jumps and stuff. Like, we don't get to see who he is as a dancer. And mm. normally I'd be like, no tricks, just do the dancing, right. like as the teacher voice in me. But for God's sakes, it's a movie musical. Let them do the tricks and mm-hmm. let's see what they can do as dancers. Like that was a ridiculous choice right. from my opinion. That's a good question. Why does Sheila get a call back after bailing on the combination? Like in that middle of that <gasps> thing, she just gives up halfway. and She's like, oh. no, never mind. I'm going to go look at myself in the mirror. Well, that is – it's Actually, just, she bails twice. She bails twice. Yeah. <laughs> and she still gets a call back. Yep. Ugh. So she just – she must be awesome. We don't get to see her be awesome. But then she doesn't make the final cut. No. So. Um, so one of the first notes that I made, nobody is making eyes at the dance captain in the oh. audition. Mm-hmm. If there's a dance captain or choreographer walking around, you are like 
giving it everything like mm-hmm. why is it they're just pretending he's not there mm-hmm. like that's not how you audition <laughs> like, yeah. what's happening that's a good point <laughs> nicole what is a hollywood bed so diana Remind me diana diana says yes. i was born on a hollywood bed in the bronx what's a hollywood bed <laughs> is it a size of bed is it a type no of idea. bed <laughs> she's like i was born on a hollywood bed in the bronx and i'm like What's a Hollywood bed? <laughs> I've never heard of that size California of California king. <laughs> is it a California king? Is it is it like the bed that's shaped like a heart? I don't I don't know. Or maybe is it a euphemism for something that is over our heads? <laughs> right. What the hell does that mean? A Hollywood bed in the Bronx. I'm going to ask that question you, on Facebook. There you go. Um, why are there so many men in crop tops? <laughs> it's a crop toppy type of shit. I mean, this was, let's just say it's the summer. Uh, you know, these this is an audition before Which they're wearing the fall coats. season. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's I like mean, ninety I, degrees I know in the theater. I don't some know. of it is the style. I understand yeah. that, but almost all the guys wearing crop tops. That's a lot. Let me ask you this: had yes. had Mark not been cast in this movie, would you have gone on to become a serial killer? Yes, he's a ser- he's a serial. That's killer. not a lingering question. That's an awful yes. <laughs> Like, thank God he was cast in this, because if he right. wasn't, God knows what he would have done. He is he has the look of a serial killer in this right. movie. Just saying. Okay. Why do they dub tap sounds and I can do that? It's a movie. They could have paused and had them put tap shoes on. <laughs> cut, cut <scene. laughs> Guys, go put your tap shoes on in the middle of this number. We have to like no, but they do that in center stage with all the costume changes and the shoe changes. Let's be honest, that entire number is ridiculous. Like at one point he does like karate sounds. Well, that's enough. Like why the extension to that dance? Yeah. Like there, there's already a ton of opportunity to dance in it. You don't need an extension on the mm-hmm. music. It's ridiculous. Where's the union rep on this audition? There is none. Like that guy who asks like, what time does this thing get out? I don't know. I know. Did everyone get their five? No. <laughs> no. Like, and look, hell hath no fury. Like a union rep who, <laughs> you know, does who, when actors don't get their lunch, you know, like, yeah, that's the other thing. These actors don't eat. Right, they don't. Movie. But anyway, go ahead. What else you got? Uh, let's see. Uh, just a side note, nobody cares about Zach and Cassie. Yeah. Oh, um, here's another one. <laughs> I'm The one thing I'm disappointed with this movie is that they couldn't find more rooms in the theater for Cassie to hide in. Yes. Like, she seems to be hiding all over this theater. And I'm like, there's a balcony. Yeah, Go on the balcony. Just sit in the balcony. Like, I, that's the other half of this movie I wanted to see was like, where can where's Cassie? <laughs> like, Just put her in a red dress and say, "Where's Waldo?" Peek out, peek out from the, behind the walk. You know, like, um, why do people always put dancers in tunics when they're doing modern? Like, there's that one scene when Cassie has her hair like down long and she's in a tunic and barefoot, and the assumption is that she's having a modern dance moment. Like, well, is that I mean, you can thank Martha Graham for that one? Um, I know, but it just seems a little. Let me ask you something. If Zach is yelling at Cassie throughout this entire musical, (laughs) he's yelling at her throughout the entire musical. Cassie, get down from the catwalk. That's my question. (laughs) So he's yelling at her about like, don't pop your head. This is in Vegas. Um, Why is she allowed to run on the catwalk and sing over everyone else? (laughs) Like as she's singing what I did for love. Zach should be in the background saying, get down from Get down from the catwalk. You're distracting me. That should have been in the movie. Um, (laughs) Let me ask you this. Uh This is actually an interesting question. 
Would Paul have made the cut had he not been injured? What do you think? Yes. You think so? Well, again, uh, judging by the dancing. Oh, no, wait. I'm thinking Broadway show in my head. In mm-hmm. the Broadway show, Paul would have made it 100%. Mm-hmm. But in the movie? I don't know. I think he would have made it over Mark, and then Mark would have gone on and killed Kill everyone else. <laughs> he would have killed everybody in the theater. Um, what does treat me important mean? <laughs> yeah, where, that, where does that line come in? <laughs> when they're arguing uh, right before like she does that like intense monologue. Oh, and that's she's right. down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. First of all, Cassie's entire reasoning throughout this entire movie is just so like what are you talking about well no and they just they turn her into such she has no agency yeah she has no agency she leaves so that zach can be successful like it's weird to show her love she leaves him but not only that like so if you're doing that for zach to be successful that you so you're just shitting on yourself yeah like i don't know it's weird um why don't they call 911 why is Rhodes the best knee doctor in the city? Yeah. Look, okay, let's get let's get into this. Folks. <laughs> Folks. If let's say you're you have a dancer at an audition who let's say tears his Achilles. Mm-hmm. Your first call should not be to Rhodes, to the Rhodes. best knee doctor in the city. And then like, by the way, first of all, they shuttle him off stage. Like, does is there a line of like, let's get pull the car around or like get him to the hospital? Like, there's, they, no... there's a stagehand who just shows up and lifts him. Okay, like there's no calling nine one one. No, there's no doctor. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's just get out of that there. There's just roads. Um, my last question mm-hmm. is really Cassie makes the final <laughs> cut. Really? Hey, she did her layout. She did. <laughs> terrible message that this this it's like by the way uh ex-girlfriend of the director can show up last second to the audition during callbacks basically do a terrible job according to the director i mean yelling half at at her the entire time and yet she still makes it at the end the sequel to this movie is the rejects going to a diner and being like how the hell did cassie get in the show i know also my last question I should say this is my final question. This might even be the greatest mystery in musical theater history, Nicole. Uh-huh. What the hell is the show that they're auditioning for about? We get one number, mm-hmm. which is one. Yeah. Very 1930s. Yes. Right? But then their outfits that they're wearing are not 30s. They're 80s. Whatsoever. Doesn't give us any plot points except for she's the one basically and he's the one too yeah he's the one talking about she and he what is this musical about i have no idea i'm gonna i'm gonna ask that question on facebook see if anybody can figure that out what is the musical so come up with a title and come Mm -hmm. up with a plot this movie is about and one has to be 11 (gasps) o'clock i know i know i know what is it mark wrote it and it's about finding his first kill (laughs) probably (laughs) maybe it's maybe this entire movie is in mark's head i (gasps) know I don't yep. know. That's that would that would make that a would better make explanation it, yes. for this film. All right, let's move on. Okay, folks, we know that the casts that we see in this movie are sometimes not the casts that are intended, the first choices or whatnot. Sometimes we get a lot of people that are auditioning for these, um, might have been rejected, offered roles, just doesn't work out. But I call this section 
would this movie have been better if this person was cast in it instead of what we got? So mm-hmm. did some research and called, and I found a couple of people that auditioned for this movie or turned down roles and things like that. So okay. here we go. The first one is a young woman auditioned for this show, but she auditioned for this movie, excuse me, using her actual name rather than her stage name. And that person was Madonna. And she oh. was she was rejected. <laughs> so this is just, this is 1985. This Very is right after Like a Virgin. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. just starting to blow up. She's already done her Like a Virgin performance at the MTV mm-hmm. Awards. Um, she auditions for Richard Attenborough under her actual name. So not Madonna. It's, right. it's her full name. And they turned her down. Would this movie have been better if Madonna was in this movie? Presumably, I don't know what, I mean, maybe Val. Like, yeah. I, I, you know. Or I'm thinking at the age, mm-hmm. Christine. I mean, I don't know. Maggie, maybe? I don't maybe. know. But anyway, would would any of these characters have been better if Madonna was playing them at that I point mean, in her life? Maybe. She's got some oomph. Like, mm-hmm. she's, she's a scene dancer. stealer. She's yeah. a great dancer. I mean, she's not a belter but she can carry a tune obviously and so why not i think it would have been i mean one of the one of the few things i can really praise this movie for is the fact that they really cast like unknown actors Mm -hmm. in all the roles i think if you did put madonna in this movie it would have been michael douglas madonna of course right you know and that becomes a little more i wouldn't want her to be cassie and that's where i feel like they would stick her well, that actress went on to become the principal in High School Musical. I know. There you go. Or the drama teacher. Drama me. teacher. All right. The other actress that actually turned down the role of Christine was Leah Thompson. She actually turned down this role to go star in a movie called Back to the Future, which did pretty well. <laughs> me thinks she made the better career choice. Yes. But let me ask you this. Would that role have been better with Leah Thompson in it? Now, keep in mind, we've never seen Leah Thompson in a musical no, but I know she can dance. She was trained as a dancer. Oh, so. okay. I've never seen her dance. So. Yes, she can dance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think Christine is a role that it sounds terrible, but that most people could play, I feel like, because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a character that most young women know. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to be a, a comedic actress. I think you, you have do. to have timing. Um, I also think, and this is going to sound weird, I think she needs to be one of the best dancers in the crew mm-hmm. to overcome. I mean, that's, that's the one number we'll talk about numbers that we needed a little bit more, but I love her song of like singing. Yes. Now she can't sing. Yes. Um, and the timing with Alan, I really wish they had this in this movie, mm-hmm. but um, I think to overcome, to compensate for that, she needs to be an ex- excellent dancer. And yes. the woman that played her on the Broadway revival was amazing. was amazing. Chrissy mm-hmm. Disbrow. So, um, you know, there you go. So, all right. Well, those are my those are my two. Would this movie have been better with them? So, let's move on, folks. <clears throat> we know that you, in order to have a incredible movie musical, you need to have four key areas just doing really, really well, and that's of course the singing, the acting, the dancing, and design. So, what we like to do on this podcast is go through each one, rate it one through ten, and give some reasons why. So, Nicole, I'm gonna start with you. Rate the singing one through ten in a chorus line of the movie. Uh, six and a half, seven. Wow, you're generous. I know. I gave it a three. I know. <laughs> I I gave it a three because nobody in this entire movie is a good singer. No, I just, I feel like they did okay. 
And they, I mean, if you're talking about average singers, they probably did their best as average singers. And I bet you most of them were hired because they were dancers, not because they were singers. But, you know, at the same time, what kills me is this is Hollywood. So the the fact that none of them were dubbed, it's like, I don't know, maybe we'll just go and dub and get some really good singers to come in. They could have done that. They could have done that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, All right. How about the dancing? Um, I gave it an eight. Me too. Me too. And I, I feel that that should have been a 10. It I, should have been a 10. I feel like a movie like that, that's, that's like me giving Singing in the Rain a 7 or something well, like that. Well, and like, I really, I don't think it's the dancing of the dance. I don't think it's the dancer's fault. I think it's the choreography changes that were made. Mm-hmm. The original choreography by Michael Bennett had such energy and passion behind it. And again, anyone who has not seen Every Little Step, it was on free on Amazon Prime a couple months ago. Yeah, like, you were plugging this documentary. I know. Like crazy. Watch it though, because you get to see the original choreography. You get to see it taught by Bayard Lee. You get, I mean, it's, it's a really incredible experience to watch mm-hmm. and that's missing. I feel yes. like they're not showcasing the dancers with the choreography. They just 80sified it, like we said mm-hmm. earlier, and made it about what movement is popular, not what's right. telling the story. Um, Michael Bennett is credited in this movie as being the original choreographer of the original stage production. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the movie choreography was mostly done by a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Hornaday, who I'm looking at his resume. He did a lot of the stuff that you see in Dick Tracy. Um Interesting enough, he did Romancing the Stone, which is probably why I was brought mm-hmm. on to this movie. Choreographed something in Tango and Cash. Okay. Uh, but he also did Flashdance. So. Which his choreography would have been fantastic in Flashdance. Mm. And it was. Because it's it's that's the style. But I just, I felt like Michael Bennett is still miles ahead of him. Gotcha. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's This is a movie that should be... It's a movie about dancers mm-hmm. uh, and singers and actors, and I feel like that that should be a ten. And right, it just wasn't. All right, how about the acting, Nicole? Where'd you where'd you fall in the acting for this? Um, I forgot to rate it, which means I didn't think very highly of it. Yeah, I give it a five. I give it a five. It's just yeah, I'd say five or six. I think I, I just with this casting, I just I mean, I think they were just looking for dancers and. Like, I feel like Morales had some good moments. Mm -hmm. And again, I feel like they stopped Paul and Sheila before they got there. And they didn't allow Cassie to have her big moments because they changed her motive. Right. I just think this is one of those, again, this is one of those movie musicals, one of these musicals that you have to have triple threats. You have to have people that can do all three. Um, all right, finally, design, Nicole. I know it's weird because it takes place in an empty theater, but how about the design in this movie? I gave it a seven. Yeah. Six for costumes, eight for sets. Mm. Yeah, I'm with it too. I mean, it definitely captures the 80s, but again, it was made in 85, so there was no like periodizing with no. this. Now, if it was 2019 and they made it and it looked like that, okay, right. I, I'll give you a little bit more points for that. But, you know, you're just, it's 1985. Like, right. You're, you're casting in the moment. So. Um, I did have a question though. Is this when they do their flashbacks between Zach and Cassie? Is that the studio from Turning Point? I've never seen. Oh, Christopher! Uh, We're gonna do that soon. We'll we'll do that. It'll be like season eight of the movie musical showdown. Season, um, no, showdown. no, 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 no! Like push that one off. As soon as you get back from your trip, you're gonna uh, have to watch Turning Point with me. 
<laughs> I'll put on my flowy dress and be Anne Bancroft. <laughs> oh, me and my big mouth. All right. <laughs> Folks, we know that with these movie musicals, sometimes when you're adapting them from stage musicals, not everything makes the final cut. And for this musical, egregiously, there was a lot they of material so cut from this film. And they added a lot of crap in. So I'm going to start with this, Nicole. What number did we need? I think we needed all of them. All of so, them. But let's no, pick one. Pick no, no, one. no. Listen, though, because <laughs> I did my math. Okay. There was only a seven-minute difference wow. between the musical and the movie. Wow. So how much crap did they put into it to have so little yeah. music? Well, a lot of non-singing scenes like the- The chasing of, of Cassie. Like Cassie and, Larry, <laughs> Cassie and Larry's journey around the theater. <laughs> And his his sakes. hot pastrami. Uh, oh my god! But honestly, though, if they took that some of that stuff out, they would Which, be able the way, to put in all that material. There was only a seven minute difference between the stage crazy. show and the movie. Another unrealistic thing about this movie: there's no way a dance captain is getting a hot pastrami sandwich in five minutes during his break. That's going to weigh at the bottom of your stomach. Like when you're trying to try, your ten- try eating a hot pastrami sandwich and then dancing for three hours. It's not no, going to happen. No, thank you. I'm not even a dancer. I know that how painful that. Well, you had what was it a hot pastrami sandwich before we went to go see Newsies? And oh you my almost god, got I did. Sick. You're right. <laughs> you're just watching dancers made you oh. sick. <laughs> anyway, um, I think they needed Hello Twelve. I mean, you you hear yeah. you hear a very weird remixed version of it in this mm-hmm. movie. Um. Like it's it's very it's very weird how they do that song yes. in this, and I think you really need the whole thing in there. Now, granted, I understand that there's 1970s references in the song, but it's an but important so what? song, and I would much rather prefer that than surprise. I mean, if yeah. we're talking about like puberty and growing up and things like that, right? It's surprise is such a weird number. Well, not only that, Hello Twelve, Hello Thirteen, like. Even though they're talking about sexual experiences, there's still an innocence to it. Right. And surprise, I think, just wasn't as innocent and mm-hmm. it wasn't as endearing. And it has, again, nothing to do with the actor and dancer who is performing right. it. I think the material just didn't have the same heart. Numbers that we could do without. <sighs> surprise. <laughs> See, for me, it's Let Me Dance For You. Yes. Like that song. Again, when we talk about that relation, what this movie should really be about, yeah. that I, at least I can understand why Surprise is in there because it utilizes the other chorus members. Let Me Dance For You is all about Zachy and Zachy. 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 That's their, that's their company. <laughs> Zachy. Or Kazaki. Kazakhstan. Um I hate how that number is all about Cassie and Zach. So get that out of there. And, you know, if you have to keep one of them, I mean, keep surprised, but, you know. But so what I really want is um, what I did for love to just be given back to the dancers. Yeah. it's a good point. That's all I, that's all I needed. Yeah, absolutely. Number that you're going to fast forward to in this movie, if you have to pick one. At the ballet. Yeah. I feel like it was a huge missed opportunity because mm-hmm. they didn't actually do ballet mm-hmm. in At the Ballet. <laughs> right. But I do love that song. It's a good so. song. Um, for me, it's the beginning of the movie. I don't even have to fast forward. I can just push play. Yep. First, the first opening audition sequence. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that every time. All right, folks. With these movie musical podcasts, what we like to do is give out some pretty prestigious awards. And the first is called the Julie Award, which goes to the best singer in the movie. Now, for this, let's do let's do this a little differently because it's also a dance movie. So, Nicole, give me your Julie Award 
and your Front Astero Award for the best singer and dancer in this movie. Okay, singer, um, tie between Morales and Maggie. Okay. Um, dancer, you're going to, I don't remember his name. I just wrote, give me the ball. <laughs> give the ball, give, give the ball, ball, give the ball. ball. Um, what is his name? Hold on. Let me uh, look this I up. I couldn't remember the actor's name. Uh, his name is Greg Burge or Berg. Greg um, Berg. Yep. Okay. Richie Walters. Yes. There you go. Um, so he was wonderful. He was. Had a ton of energy. And every time he was on stage, I just couldn't take my eyes off of him. How and I feel he like he was really done a disservice with the changes to his songs. Right. So. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in agreement with you. My Julia award goes to um, Diana, who is played by a wonderful actress, Yamil Borges. Mm-hmm. And she's actually now a jazz singer in Austria, of all places. Oh, cool. Yeah, I found that out. Um, and then my Fred Astaire award is going to go to the guy who plays Greg Gardner, because he's just fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I love him. And his name was Justin Ross. So there you go. Or he's Justin Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. On the flip side, folks, we know that sometimes these, um, well, performances don't go so well. And I call these the antithesis of that, which is the Russell Crowe Award, which is usually given to the worst singer in the movie, or the Frank Sinatra Award, which is given to the worst dancer in the movie. Now, people might say, oh my God, Frank Sinatra, what are you talking about? But clearly, (laughs) you've never seen On the Town. No. So there you go. Um, Nicole, let's start with you. Who gets your Russell Crowe and Frank Sinatra for this movie? Okay, my Russell Crowe goes to BB. Because again, at the ballet, it's just it's got to be all amazing singers and yeah. again she she held a tune and, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't what it should have been for that song um and the i just ca- i in my head i called him Russell Astaire and it's <laughs> not the answer of what we're looking for Frank Sinatra thank oh. you <laughs> Your Frank, yes, who gets your Frank Sinatra? Award? <laughs> Jesus. Um, the Frank Sinatra Award, I think, just goes to the people who didn't dance. So Zach and uh, Val. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's those are. Well, I mean, yeah, Zach and you know, at least Larry, we had to see dance. Larry, yes. the, I should have probably given my my Fred Astaire to Larry because he yes. you know, kills it. You know, um, does it very thirties. You know, very thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, my my Russell Crowe is. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna give it to Cassie on this one. Really? She doesn't really sing. It's kind of more of That's a yelling. True. It's like it's like a talking yelling. You know, with BB, the it's like at least she's tr- Yeah, it's like <laughs> let me dance for you. It's like um like at least BB's trying to yeah. sing. Like she, you know, with with Cassie, it's just like she's talking it mostly. And I hate the interludes between that song where she's like, oh, I'll tell you, Zach, I just can't dance. Oh, you haven't seen nothing yet. It's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> Treat me important, huh? <laughs> anyway, um, and then for my uh, Frank Sinatra, um, I am also going to give it to to Val. Because, yeah. you know, we don't really get to see her dance at all. She just kind of shakes around and whatnot. <laughs> Finally, the Bum Little Word, Nicole, for the ensemble member background artist named after the wonderful character of Bumlet in the movie Newsies. Yes. Who's going to get your word? Uh, I have two people for two different reasons. Though. Okay. Okay. 
positive Nicole Fossey because she was just funny. Yeah. She was funny and likable and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The person who played her husband gets the same award for a negative because when they do the scary, angry dancer, Nazi dancing scene, his face is terrifying and it haunted me. Okay. (laughs) I've got two as well. Yes. I've got in the opening audition, the guy who can't look, who keeps staring at his feet. Yes, it's a thing. Awesome. And then in the final number, when they're all the dancers are dancing on stage, mm-hmm. the woman who drops her hat. Yes. Folks, if you watch that last sequence where all the dancers are doing those that kick line at the end on the stage in the big group, keep your eyes on the right-hand side of the screen, like second row in. Towards the end, you're going to see a woman drop her hat, bend down, pick it up, and then start dancing again. Once you've seen it, you can't take your eyes off of mm-hmm. it. Every single time you watch this movie, that actually that one thing will ruin that entire scene for you. I have no idea why they just didn't use a different cut of that, mm-hmm. unless they just did one shot and that was it. I mean, yeah. who knows at this point what Richard Attenborough was feeling about this movie? But there you go. That's my bottom of the word. Final question for you, Nicole. Yeah. Should this movie get a remake? Should this movie get a remake? So there, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, really? No, because it's a hot take. Well, I feel like unless I, I don't know if the experience of seeing this in the theater can be translated, mm-hmm. because there is something about kind of living the experience of this interrogation sequence with the actors right. that you're not going to get out of sitting on your couch and watching it and being able to get up and get snacks. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was something that you felt like you were going through it with them. Right. And right. I don't know if you'd get that knowing <clears throat> that, you know, they were on a set and stopped to eat lunch and mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to say this. This might be the only time I might say this out loud. This is the one musical that I would be a hundred percent okay with if they did like a Fox live version of, or an NBC live. Uh, yeah. I think it would work in that vein. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not opposed to that. You know, like, cause it, especially, but if you do, I like, don't want them to sanitize it. No, I mean, you got to do it as is, but yeah, I think without surprise, without yeah. dance for you, all that stuff. Um, yeah. I think, I think it would work as that. So I would, I do want to see this get that type of treatment. I don't think you need an, an actual movie again, unless it's really freaking good. Um, and you know, set the right period. I don't think you can do a 2019 chorus line. I don't think it works. No, because they're not going to spend time talking about how dancers got chosen from, you know, right. dance conventions and right. YouTube videos. Plus as much as I like <laughs> the music by Marvel Hamlish, uh, and and Eggly Band, it's it is dated. I mean, it's yeah. very of that moment. So, um, which by the way, folks, if you've never seen or listened to the show, a class act, which is about the life of Ed Cleveland, who wrote uh, the lyrics and and book for a chorus line, you should actually really check out that musical. It's actually very very good. So, um, all right, well, Nicole, any any final thoughts that you want to say about this? Uh, yes, that something that really kind of just tickled me was in the opening audition. Stop. I know you're making that face. <laughs> Go Sometimes I talk like a grandma. <laughs> Something that tickled me was that 
the corrections that Larry was giving are things that I say all the time. And it, it made me laugh because I tell my students all the time to keep their tongue in when they're doing leaps, to not look at the floor, all that kind of stuff. And it just, it made me laugh because it was, it was very true. Yeah. Um, so I think some of those moments are very truthful to dance and are truthful to performance, which is great. It just, just didn't move me. It just didn't have the heart, mm. it had the feet, but it didn't have the heart. I mean, I love, I love me some Terrence Mann. I mean, how yes. could you not? The guy's, the guy's awesome. When so. I saw him in Hartford last year, I had like a, a moment. A moment, and my mother was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Shh." Let's probably listen to this podcast because you know, stop. We're no, buds. no. <laughs> I'm the woman who stared at you creepily in Hartford last year. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on the Movie Musical Shakedown. Nicole, thank you as always for mm-hmm. doing this podcast with me. I really appreciate it. We're going to be back uh, in a week or so. I've got a whole slew of, of movies that are coming up that I've kind of selected which ones we're going to do. So I'm really excited to be releasing those. Uh, we're going to return to the Disney treasure trove. I think we're doing Coco next, actually. Mm-hmm. There you go. Are you so, doing it with Sam? No, I'm not doing it with Sam. Um, <laughs> my son. <laughs> who does love him some Coco. Yes. But, uh, and, uh, that's going to be one of them. <laughs> um, I think we're going to do Bye Bye Birdie coming up soon. I think we're going to do, we're going to do some of the, the more popular ones. I mean, I got some feedback. People are like, stop doing obscure <laughs> musicals. And I'm like, got to mix them in. But um, we're going to be doing some of the classics uh, pretty soon. So, Nicole, yeah. thanks as always. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Folks, we'll see you right here next week on the Movie Musical Shakedown. You can catch this podcast and all of our podcasts on iTunes. And now tune in for all of you Android users. We are now on TuneIn. So definitely check that out by searching the Movie Musical Shakedown. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Peace. One song to leave behind One day more No day but today